When I was seven years old, I, I finished, I just finished basketball practice. My dad, I noticed, was kind of pacing back and forth in, in this back area and, uh, of the gym. And he picks me up after practice. We start driving. He said, Casey, I don't know how, to, how else to tell you this, um, but your, your granddad passed away. And I'm feeling upset. It's the first time I was able to like process the loss of a family member. Before that, I mean, I had, I had other grandparents who passed, but I was like a year old when it happened. And so this is the first time. And so as, this, uh, as the visitation happens, we, we drive out to where my mom grew up. And uh, it was about three and a half hours away from where we lived. It was, so I grew up just outside of Nashville, Tennessee. And uh, the funeral was in northern Mississippi. And uh, we're there for the visitation, and, and everything's new to me. I don't really know how all this works, but at first, you know, people come to, to say hi to my mom and my uncle and the rest of the family, and I, I don't really know any of these people because they're all from this really small town in northern Mississippi. And I try to kind of, you know, say hi, and they're, they're kind to me, but we don't know each other, and I'm seven years old, and so... Eventually, I just make my way toward, uh, toward the back reception area where I find my cousins and we just played video games and just hung out on the couches because, well, visitations aren't much fun to seven-year-old kids. And, and as I'm playing there, like 30 minutes later, I feel a pat on my shoulder and I look up and I see two of the elders from the church I grew up at and their wives. They had driven three and a half hours to hug my parents and to console them and, and walk with them in uh, the loss of my, my granddad. And that was the first time in my life I, I realized the value of shepherding. Now, it took me a while to process that because he patted me on the shoulder and said, hey there, young man. And I look up and again, this was seven-year-old me. So I said, what are you doing here? And they, uh, they said, you know, well, we're, we're really sorry about the loss of your granddad. And, and as I got older, I realized just how much that meant to me and my family. And these men on a Thursday night, had driven with their wives three and a half hours to a very tiny town in Mississippi to simply be with my family in their loss. When my wife and I got married, um, we, we only had 50 people at our wedding, and it was my family and her family, and then her in-laws from, from her previous uh, marriage of her late husband, they, they came as well because they're family. And that's a lot of families, so we didn't have a whole lot of spots left to invite anyone else, but we decided that the shepherds of the church we were at and their wives should be a part of it. And so the need for shepherds is a big deal. And it's not about can they run a church or a business. It has its time and its place, but shepherds are the people who walk alongside us in some of those difficult times of our lives. And, and I will say at this church, and I, I prefaced this a little earlier, here we try to use the word shepherd instead of elder. A lot of churches will use the word elder, and that's not a bad word, but in our culture, in our society, when we hear elder, 
it, it kind of has this, uh, and Lynn Anderson writes about this in one of his books. He, he said, it comes off sounding like an elder is above someone, that they're, that they're above in life. And, and while a shepherd does lead and they show the sheep where to go, it's not the, that uh, elder tends to note this high and above place and they just speak down below to everyone else as opposed to being amongst the people. And so w- we try to use the word shepherd here, but, but shepherds, for those of you who have who have been a part of this church and others, good shepherds are a big, big deal at every single church. The need for good shepherds is a big, big deal. There are people here in this building who are in this room right now who have experienced some deep church hurt because of some shepherds or elders who said some very hurtful things. There are some people who are here right now because they experienced the love of good shepherds and chose to stay as a result. There are people here who, because of shepherds, whether it be here from this church or from other churches, who've remained faithful because of the impact that a good elder or shepherd had in their life. So with that being said, if you want to dive into the Word with us, we're going to look at a couple of different passages, and these are the passages that everyone goes to when we talk about uh, shepherding. So 1 Timothy 3 is the first area that I'm going to be. If you want to read along, you're more than welcome to. I- I'm actually not going to read it, but I'm going to kind of summarize it in that for a long time, what we looked at whenever we were appointing new shepherds was the qualifications. And a lot of people look at 1 Timothy 3, and then uh, in a minute, we're going to look at Titus 1. And that's where Paul talks about what we've always called qualifications of shepherds. Uh, Lynn Anderson, the late, great Lynn Anderson, he, he wrote a book called They Smell Like Sheep, and I know several of you have read it before, but he, it, it's a lot about kind of the role of a shepherd, but he talks about the quality. Instead of qualifications, he calls them the qualities. He said part of it is these aren't the only qualities you'd find of a good shepherd, but they are important ones to note. In addition to it, any shepherd you come across, the, they should share these qualities. So 1 Timothy 3 qualities, and, and the wording might be different depending on the translation you have. But uh, Paul writes to Timothy that the shepherd, the qualities should be as, as below. That they are, that these are people above reproach. That they are wise. That they are self-controlled. That the, within the community where they are, that church community, they have a good reputation. Whether it be in their neighborhood, in the church, at work. That they're hospitable people, that they invite people to meals and they have people in their home, that they're good teachers. I'm going to come back to that one. That one's important. That these people are not heavy drinkers or that they are prone to become violent or, uh, or lose their temper. That when they approach people, that they're gentle, that they're not controlled by their money These people are good, sound, spiritual leaders of their own family within their own home. And that these people are not new believers or recent converts. And Paul talks about the the problem with recent converts would be that they're still brand new to everything. And so they're hearing a lot of different messages. And he doesn't want these people to be led astray. And then as a result to lead other people astray as well. Now, if we look at Titus chapter 1, if we skip over there, just a few pages over in your Bibles, Paul writes to Titus about appointing shepherds. And, and I'll say he, he writes to Titus, he said, I left you in Crete to appoint elders in every church to, and it says, direct the affairs of the church. 
And oftentimes what that's been confused as in a lot of churches is they're to direct the affairs, as in they're to oversee the, the operational side of church. And so we've confused this oftentimes for they're supposed to manage the ministers and the staff, and they're supposed to balance the church budget, they're to make sure that everything goes in an orderly manner. And, and not to say those things aren't important, that is a part of this, but when we look at how Paul would have said this, the word church, again, is not how we see it today. The word church, ecclesia in Greek, would literally mean the gathering. So direct the affairs of the gathering, as in the people coming together. So they are to oversee the affairs of the people within the church. So shepherding role number one is to walk alongside people as they navigate life in Christ. Now, the, the affairs of the church, the staff, the budget, those are, those are important and those are things that do get talked about, but they are distant seconds to what's going on in the lives of the people. And so uh, Paul writes to Titus and said, here's some qualities that you'll see in shepherds to a point. They're married to one woman. I can come back to that one. Ch- they must have chil- their children must be believers who are not wild or rebellious. They lead a blameless life. They're self-controlled. They are not heavy drinkers or prone to violence. They're honest in their business dealings with other people. They are hospitable. They have people in their home. They lead the life of a disciple. They're teachers and they are wise. Now, I want to point out in these two passages, notice the lists are very, very similar, but they're not identical. And I think this is important to note because while they are, uh, while they're very, very similar, they're not identical. And something that Anderson talks about, and, and I can tell you in, in any church, is shepherds, elders, are not plug-and-play individuals. So if you've been a part of another church, let's say, uh, let's say if, you, if you grew up in, in a small town in, uh, in West Texas, okay? Name your small town, right? Um, if you grew up in one of those and you had a shepherd who was there, and we were to take that shepherd and not only have him place membership here, but he immediately becomes a shepherd here, it probably wouldn't be a good fit. And it's not because that individual would be a bad man. Um, Anderson writes a story about how it would be difficult for, for people in that kind of context to, to immediately be a good shepherd. If we were to take Wade Percival or Derek Garland, our two shepherds here, and put them in that church out in West Texas, this small, small town and small church there, they would probably struggle. And it's not a character issue. It's not a morality issue. It's not a spiritual life issue. It's because, one, they don't know the people, and two, they don't know the culture. It's very different in general. One of the criteria uh, that Lynn wrote about was he had, he knew of a friend who was a minister at a small church in uh, the boonies of this area of Arkansas. And they said one of the criteria of how they knew whether or not a man could manage his family was when he gave his hunting dogs a command if they responded correctly. <laughs> he said that really was one of the criteria. Because when they would go hunting with those guys, if the dogs did not respond to the calls of that man, they thought he didn't have control over his dogs. How can he have command over his church? And so it was understood. We're out here. We, we laugh about this, Right. Because that's, and there's a, there's a few who's nodding, like, yeah, absolutely, that's what I want. So that's, 
but this is a unique situation, right, in that that's a different culture and context, which makes sense as to why the list that Paul gives Timothy and Titus are very similar, but not identical. You cannot plug and play shepherds at different churches. My dad's a shepherd at the church I grew up at just outside of Nashville, Tennessee. If we were to make him a shepherd here, he would struggle. I love my dad. I think super highly of him. He's a wonderful man, but he doesn't know this church. Just like if we were to take Wade or Derek and put him at the church I grew up at, they would struggle because they don't know each other. And so different cultures are going to need a different type of person. That being said... I would also look and say, what do these lists have in common? The ones where the lists have in common are some that you could probably look at and say, okay, probably at just about any church, these would be important qualities for a shepherd to have. So these men need to be people who would be wise, who are self-controlled, who are hospitable, who, have, who are teachers, who are not heavy drinkers or violent and who are good spiritual leaders of their family. Now, I, w- I want to come back to a few of these. When we talk about leaders of their family, I mentioned married to one woman, is, and that's the wording that Paul uses with Titus, and talks about multiple cultures, and there's a lot of different discussions and debates about this, and many cultures say, if you've been divorced, then you're automatically disqualified. I, I don't know that I fully agree with that, because every marriage that, that ends in divorce, they, there's different reasons that come, that come behind that. Uh, A lot of scholars will actually point to the married to one woman is speaking to, at that time, polygamy was very understood as a thing. And so Paul talks about married to one woman as in he can devote himself to that woman and their children, as opposed to several. Now, this was also the reference also to, for a man who is married to someone, but is also seeking other women, that is not someone that needs to be leading a church. Um, in addition to this, he says, good teacher. And I, I would point out, I, I've, I've heard several people say, the, those shepherds need to be people who teach in the classroom, okay? If we're going to use that standard for whether or not someone should be shepherding a church, whether or not they teach in the classroom, Jesus would be disqualified from teaching at Cinco Ranch Church of Christ. We have no record of Jesus ever teaching in a classroom setting. Did he teach? Absolutely. And I only use that example to say Jesus taught all the time, but did they sit down? He, he has his, his podium here and, and his microphone, and uh, that, that was never him. They taught as they walked along the road. When they lied down, when they got up, they taught. Jesus taught in the synagogues, but he also taught in the streets. And so for someone who is teaching, it doesn't have to be an official, formal setting. So some people in a classroom setting are wonderful teachers. And if so, that's great. But if you also think this person teaches me and it's mainly from our one-on-one conversations, that's a teacher. Um, some of Jesus' best teachings came to one, two, three people at a time. John three sixteen, everyone's favorite verse, for God so loved the world. Um, that was only to one person when he said it. That was only to one person in the middle of the night. That was it. And yet that's one of our teachings that we love to share. And so when we look at these, those are qualities that we want to see in shepherds. Now, that being said, uh, like I said at the beginning of worship, we're going to start this nomination process. And and as we get to this, I want to talk about how our process works. But before we do that, the nomination phase, everyone in our church, um, every member who's a part of our church has a voice in the nomination process. So someone who you'd like to say, you know, I think 
this person, uh, this shepherding couple could potentially be a good possibility, a good candidate to serve as shepherd. Everyone has a voice in that. And, but before we start with the nomination process, which will be in two or three weeks as we get things rolling, I thought it'd be good for us to look at, all right, what are we looking for in shepherding and in, in shepherds? What are the qualities? And Paul gives us these in, in 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1. But I would also point out that there are portions of, this, of those qualities that don't get mentioned here that have oftentimes been skipped. And, and so I want to focus in on those. And I think Paul doesn't write about those because it's kind of an understood thing. All right? So to start off with that, shepherding quality number one. This is absolutely vital. Number one, that shepherd loves God. Period. And not only that, it is obvious how in love with God that shepherd is. Maybe it's when you see them in worship. Maybe they talk about their quiet time. But, but if you're thinking, you know, where is that person at spiritually? Where are they at in their relationship with God? If you have no idea where that is, talk to that person if you're thinking about nominating them. But if they're not in love with God, then all these other things are going to fall apart. All these other qualities have a shelf life, okay? Number two, they are in love with people, particularly the people at this church. They love the, this church. They love the people here. They love God and they love people and they show that. And they might have a certain group of people that they're especially passionate about. That's fine. But they love all the people here at this church. And, and my, my rule that I've, I've told people about picking shepherds, if you cannot tell that they love God and love people, the other qualities, push them off to the side because the other qualities are going to fall apart. Number three, they are in love with the mission of God. They are in love with taking what they hear and experience here in this church community and taking it to the people in their neighborhood, to taking it to the people at work, to taking it to, to anyone who's not a part of, of this movement, who's not a part of the church, and saying, I want you to come and experience the love of God through Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. After those things... Um, Lynn, Lynn Anderson wrote about when you're thinking about who to appoint as a shepherd, he said, imagine this, whenever you have a problem in your life, and I'm talking real problems, not, not hey, my car's not starting, not, um, hey, I, you know, my, my, uh, I've, I've had a headache for three or four days, and I need to go see a doctor, not those kind of problems, like, like real problems. Hey, my marriage is not in a good place right now. Hey, I, I'm really struggling with, uh, with some of my kids. I'm really struggling with dealing with my parents in, in our phase of life. Or, or um, hey, I, I've, I've got this problem I'm not proud of that I don't want people to know about, but, but I feel comfortable talking to you. Who are the people you'd go to to talk with about that? Lynn Anderson said, that's actually, those are the people that should go to the top of your list. Who are the people at this church besides... Wade Percival and Derek Garland and, and uh, Leanne and Shannon, who are the people at this church whom you would go and talk to about that problem to say, I, I, I need help. I'm struggling with this. Those are the people who'd go toward the top. Who are the people that you seek advice from at this church? Who are the people that you in, always enjoy being around and you know that they will be there for you? Those are potential people, and Lynn also wrote, and it was the title of the book, They Smell Like Sheep. 
Because a, a true shepherd in Bible times, they would smell like sheep. You know, the disgusting sheep who roll around in, in dirt and, and feces and they don't care. And so the shepherds who don't do that, they are amongst those sheep though. And so they're going to smell a little like their own sheep. So who is someone who at any bigger church event, you probably expect to see them there, whatever that might be. If we have events, when we have activities who are regularly here on, on, on your typical average Sunday morning, who's people who are amongst this body? After you've figured out those, when you think of who should I nominate, lover of God, lover of people, lover of mission, uh, people who smell like sheep, people whom you would seek out, and then we can look at the qualities from there, those qualities that Paul mentions. So with that being said, um, I want to talk a little bit about our selection process. I, and it's extensive in some ways, in other ways it's simple. But with that being said, I'm going to announce the qualities and then talk about our selection team. There's a nomination phase, which all of you are a part of, okay? Um, and, and all of you have a voice in this. Uh, in a second, I'm going to announce the shepherd selection team. Um, we call them the shepherd selection team, and, and I've told them the one problem I have with the process is the name of that team, because they are not the ones who pick shepherds. They have the same voice as each and every one of you. Um, however, they, are, um, they, they see all the forms that get turned in, uh, the questionnaires, and they're the ones who kind of filter the process to make it a lot simpler for everyone else. And so they have a great undertaking. In terms of their selection vote or power, it's the same as everyone else. Um, there's a nomination phase. After those nominees are, are mentioned, when they have enough nominations, they are then approached to go through a discernment process to understand here's what shepherding is at our church. And then, there's, uh, and then they decide from there, do I feel called? Um, it, do I and, and my spouse and any children, do we feel empowered like God is moving us to potentially become a shepherd? And then they go through our introspection phase where they'll uh, fill out some forms, talk a lot of, that, that kind of speak to their spiritual formation, where they're at spiritually, their lives, a little bit about themselves. And then this will be sent out to the entire church to look through and decide. Because once these nominees come up, then the church discerns, do we believe this person and their family, for that matter, are being called to become shepherds at our church? And then there's a resolution phase where all those things come together and we decide, okay, is, is this what God is calling us into? And then finally, there's the affirmation and installation stages. Here's what I will tell you as a part of this process. Here's what I ultimately want. Here's what I ultimately want, and I hope what you want too. I only want what God wants from this process. If that means that we go through this process and Wade and Derek are still shepherds, but that's it, that's what I want. If that's what God wants, that's what I want too. If we had three, four, five, six, seven shepherds and we believe this is really where God's leading us, then that's what, that's what we should want. We want ultimately for God to lead us in the place that God wants us to be. Nothing more, nothing less. So as a part of this, there has been a shepherd selection committee who has already been appointed. Uh, we met with them this past Wednesday. They confirmed that they are on board to serve in this capacity. And so this, this team is going to be uh, meeting, but if, when I call your name, if you wouldn't mind just coming and standing down front, because we'd like to pray over you as we begin this process. So I'm going to start with Dave Harrison. Dave is going to uh, serve as the selection team uh, lead. 
during this process. In addition to David, uh, Amy Dixon, Francis Rayburn, if you guys wouldn't mind coming on down to the front, uh, Andrew Rexroad, James Cross, Marcy Miller, and Carrie Rogers. There are seven total on this team. Uh, I mentioned with them during our initial meeting that if we were to be, uh, if one of them or a family member were to be nominated to be a shepherd and they decided to enter into that process, that they would obviously step down and someone else would come and and take their place. Uh, With that being said, we're going to pray over them. So if uh, Wade, Derek, Leanne, Shannon, if y'all wouldn't mind coming down We'd like to pray over y'all. Now, in, in addition to this, I'm going to ask a few other people to come down and pray because, again, this is a big process for us. This is a big deal. So if you have served as a shepherd, if you or your spouse have served as a shepherd here at Cinco Ranch Church of Christ, I'm going to invite you to come down and also pray over this. So if you have ever served as a shepherd at Cinco Ranch Church of Christ, would you come down? I'm going to invite you, um, you to come and pray over this group. And then finally... If, uh, if you have served on a previous shepherd selection search team, I'm going to invite you to also come down and pray. So if you have served in that capacity, I'm going to invite you to come down and pray as well. I know there's a few of you. Um, this is, and this is something that's, that's going to be very, very sacred to us. Now, that being said, um, I, I want you guys, I'm going to invite you all to come and just put hands on these individuals and these people. For everyone else, I'm going to invite you, uh, Paul talks about when we pray, something that's sacred is the power of the Holy Spirit that moves within us. So if you wouldn't mind just stretching out your hand and inviting the Spirit just to move through these people. And so if you wouldn't mind just stretching your hand out toward these people and, say, and just say, God, we want you to be moving through these people as, as this process goes forward. Let's all pray during this time. God, I, I, I pray that you move through this group, that they are able to discern that they, take their, that they take their job seriously during this time, Lord. That, Lord, they're able to discern the information that, that comes through, uh, what can be shared, what needs to remain confidential. That they know the difference between the two, that they're able to honor and respect the people within this congregation. Um, that, that there's going to be some sensitive, potentially sensitive information during that. And so, God, when that comes out, that they're able to say, hey, this stays in this room. They protect the people in this congregation. God, watch over them and speak through them. And Lord, ultimately may what you want for this church to be what happens. Nothing more, nothing less. So move through them, empower them, strengthen them, encourage them. May this church be people who supports them. And may the right people whom you have called to become shepherds be the people who come forward. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Thank you guys so much. As we close this, uh, this morning, as our, our praise team is out here, um, I can't help, and, and I, one of my, my thoughts behind this is always, what is the best shepherd? Well, well, James read to begin worship this morning from John chapter 10, where Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. My sheep know me. They know my voice. And so perhaps you need shepherding at this time. So prayer team, if you wouldn't mind going toward the back. 
Perhaps you might need to be in a space in your life where you're like, you know what, I don't want to wait for, for, uh, for us to appoint new shepherds. I need help now. And this is a team who uh, can lead us to uh, prayer. Some of them have actually served as shepherds in different capacities, but we also have shepherds toward the back who are happy to receive you as well. So if you would like to take a step toward becoming a part of our church, or if you'd like to um, just to ask for prayers for anything going on in your life, whether it be something you're struggling with or, or it's just been difficult for you, we invite you to head to the back as we stand and sing this next song.